a very warm welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast with your host, Paul Lowe. Paul offers wisdom, insights and tips for living a healthy, meaningful, purposeful life. On the back of overcoming extreme adversity, Paul has a proven track record of achieving life-enhancing results. He offers empowering advice and guidance to help people develop a mindset for success so that they can live with more happiness and prosperity. Through his Mastering the Game of Life podcast and books, Paul also helps people to get their own inspirational messages and powerful stories out into the world, as well as being involved in supporting many charitable organisations in their development, fundraising and projects. Hello listeners and welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. Um, it's with a slight regret. We should, they say uh, we shouldn't have regrets in life, listeners, don't they? But there is a slight uh, sadness is probably, well, it's too, too strong a word, but it's the last one in the mini-series of the 10 Disciplines of Love. And for those that have followed um, previously, um, obviously you're going to be aware that uh, Kelly Branley from Switzerland, Kelly's a dating and relationship coach and executive matchmaker, and Kelly and I have been working through the, the 10 disciplines. And this last one of the 10, the discipline of giving generously, does exactly that. It brings us to a, I don't know if shuddering halt is too dramatic, but it's certainly tinged with a little bit of hmm, regrets, definitely not the right word, but um, sadness is too strong. But yeah, Kelly, where do we go from here? Yeah, I can only um, follow up on that and say I have exactly the same feeling. This has been such a great journey together. I hope the listeners have enjoyed it as much as I have, because um, even though I'm the one sharing a lot of my knowledge, I feel like I've learned so much through this process, and I hope everyone else has as well. So just to to sort of touch on that, but let's get into discipline number 10. Um, I think this is one that I know resonates very deeply with you, Paul. And uh, that's about giving generously. And so what does that mean? Uh, Well, if we look at the definition, and I've taken this one from Tony Robbins directly, and he says that generosity is going beyond what's required or expected. So I guess the place to start is to maybe pick apart a little bit about what are sort of those unspoken expectations we have in relationships. Mm. Yeah. So if we look at, let's say, marriage as sort of our our vessel that we can uh, pull from, I think we look at things like um, fidelity is expected, good communication, um, not only the giving of affection, but also having a partner who's able to receive affection. And then uh, there's this joint effort and shared workload. If we look at things like, you know, household, and there's an expectation that people and both partners will contribute in some way to the running of the household. So from a very practical point of view, when we talk about giving generously, we're talking about going beyond those expectations, which are sort of the entry card to being in a relationship. Um, but we're talking about creating an extraordinary type of relationship here. So we want to go above and beyond that. So I know in the previous, well, in previous episodes, Kelly, we, we've talked about um, what I've what I've labeled SEMP, you know, the, the hierarchy of levels that we deal with things, uh, particularly in relationships. So the S is for the 
um, well, let's work actually, let's work in reverse order. So the P is the physical, the kind of foundation. Um, the M is the mental, the E is the emotional, and the S at the top is the spiritual. And obviously we don't want to, you know, this, this focus, this conversation, listeners, is not around spirituality per se. But if we look at that, Kelly, around, you know, what is it we give? So there are four levels to focus on there, aren't there? You know, the, I think it's so easy to get trapped into the practicalities. And, and I'm not saying they're not important because clearly they are. They're part of, you know, um, a big jigsaw, so to speak. But, you know, those those practical, those physical um aspects where we're taking joint responsibility you know uh, for example and this is something that uh, i know prevails within a lot of households you know one does the cooking one does the washing up or vice versa mm -hmm. that kind of thing that shared responsibility but as we climb that that ladder of that semp ladder the rewards get so much richer don't they once we start Absolutely. going into the emotion yeah. and then the spiritual, I think the emotional probably is a good, uh, not ceiling, but a good sort of benchmark to aim for in in what would, um, well, in any relationship, let alone, a, you know, um, an intimate one, um, a romantic one. Well, I think, I, I mean, this is a great framework to look at this, and we can definitely look at generosity within each of these four areas. So, if we start with the physical, um, we can look at, we've, we've discussed a little bit about, you know, sexuality and about playfulness and things in a relationship. But when we talk about giving generously, we're looking at things of how can you give above and beyond sort of the expected. And one area is, um, you know, in the bedroom and things like foreplay. If you give generously, you're giving to your partner what it is that they need or what they like. And it's above and beyond sort of the, the physical act of it, but it's this real heart-centered giving of, I'm here because I want to make you happy. I want you to have enjoyment and fulfillment in this experience. And I think that's, you know, one very simple way to start with, with giving. Mm, yeah. Um... And then if we move up and we look at the mental, um, support you know when your partner's going through a difficult time being there as a support even when it's inconvenient for you and it takes all your um energy and strength to be there to have that discussion with them that's a generosity of giving because you could so easily say not right now i don't have you know the mental capacity for this but when you show up for your partner in those moments that's generosity yeah Absolutely. Yep. yep. And then as we move up emotional, uh, we look at things like appreciation. I mean, appreciation is such a powerful thing. And to give to your partner, to um, recognize the things that they do well, that plays into their emotional strength and their emotional bucket, right? So I always say you should catch your partner doing something right. And when you do that and you compliment them or you thank them and show gratitude, you're contributing to their emotional well-being. And again, that's very generous and that's going beyond the sort of underlying fundamental things. Like I said, that in a lot of relationships, that's where it stops. On that one, and then, sorry, Kerry, go on, carry on, sorry. 
Yeah, go ahead. Um, I was <laughs> I was just going to touch the spiritual, but let's let's stay with the emotional for a moment because I think we can uh, can go much deeper there. Yeah. Um, on the emotional one, um, not flowers though, eh? Not flowers. <laughs> no, um, there's something to be said about, and and this relates back to um, my favorite discipline, which is the discipline of positive intent. When you talk about flowers, and we relate it to being generous is giving flowers to a spouse is a generous gift. But a lot of times, and I'm speaking from the women here, it's interpreted negatively. So it's sort of like, you're bringing me flowers, what did you do, <laughs> right? And, and we can't receive, and that's where it's important to be able to receive gifts because giving is often more about the person who gives it. They want that appreciation from you. They want to see that they've made you happy. And when a husband comes home with flowers because he's feeling generous and he wants to see his wife or girlfriend smile and he's received with this, what did you do? I mean, it doesn't give him any positive feelings and emotions to want to carry on with that. Mm. And so it's so important that we interpret the giving of generosity from our partner with a positive mindset and not coming from a place of, of negativity or suspicion. But is that, Kelly, um, I won't say one of the everyday little challenges that can raise its head, because obviously every, every dynamic's completely unique. But isn't in, in some respects, isn't that a good thing? Because if there is something lurking beneath the surface and that comment of, okay, why, why the flowers? And I've heard that, uh, you know, so many times. What have you done? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, surely that's a, that's a good thing because it's brought something to the surface that, you know, prior to that was lurking underneath. And it's like, well, maybe we need to talk about this. That There's that, I don't know if scepticism is too tr strong a word, but this whole kind of, why are you viewing it with dark glasses on rather than just a simple act and, you know, some would say a random act of kindness. I think, I mean, you've touched on a very important point there. And yes, it's hard to take a situation like the giving of flowers purely in isolation. And of course, there's a lot of other little experiences that feed into that um, mindset of where you come from. So we can't ignore that. And certainly in a relationship, if there is suspicions or issues coming up repeatedly, you definitely need to address those and talk about them. So I'm not saying ignore those. But what I am saying is there's there's moments, and John Gottman always calls those, I think he calls them um, window moments, where you've got sort of an open window and you can either choose to open it wide or close it. And these are one of those moments where you have the choice to say, does this warrant a, a deep discussion? Or look at yourself and say, am I the one who's creating a negative interpretation of the situation? And you can only do that with yourself. So certainly if there's an underlying issue, definitely address it um, 100%. So, um, okay, so we, shall we move on to the spirituality as aspect? Yes. Um, so again, that's the, the higher order of this. And to give generously on a spiritual level, this is where um, vulnerability comes in again. Um, being able to open and share with complete openness in a... Uh, what do you call it? A feeling of giving your soul to another person. The gift to allow somebody into you um, to see inside your heart and what is at the core of your being 
is such a gift. And for a lot of people, it's a gift that we've never experienced. We've never had that depth of connection with another person. And this is where, as you say, when you get to that level of the spiritual level where you can be in a relationship with somebody where you can go to su such a depth beyond what you've ever experienced, that's where you can experience a relationship that reaches the level of bliss and ultimate fulfillment. Okay. Generosity includes forgiveness. I mean, you've, you know, I think there's been a, obviously we haven't focused on generosity, Kelly, in previous um, episodes of this, this mini series or generally too much, but it's such, you know, this forgiveness word, I think it's banded around like confetti, isn't it? In the modern personal development world. But I actually question to what degree genuinely, generally, and certainly specifically in the context of relationships, do we really understand or practice in a practical sense, this, this, this whole word of forgiveness, its meaning, its implications? I'm not so sure that mm. we do, you know, I'm not so sure we do. I, I believe there is a big misinterpretation about forgiveness. And we did talk about it a little bit in discipline three which is related to giving freedom. So freedom has a, a relationship to forgiveness. But what I've experienced with forgiveness is a lot of people believe that forgiveness is about the other person, right? So they think that if I forgive, I'm letting them off the hook. I'm letting them get away with some kind of bad behavior. Um, but actually forgiveness is much more related to freedom it's about really accepting that something has happened and moving beyond that and not picking it up again. And that's one of the, the issues that can destroy relationships is these perpetual problems that we keep picking up and bringing up over and over and over again, and we don't let them go. And so much about forgiveness is letting it go for yourself. So freeing yourself from carrying that burden of, I want to punish this other person. I want them to, to suffer because they've hurt me. Um, and also freeing your partner up from being reminded continually of a mistake that they've made in the past and continuing to criticize them about the mistake. So I like to think of forgiveness so much in the sense of, of giving freedom again. And uh, it is a, an act of generosity because it takes you going beyond what probably a lot of people instinctually feel in that moment, which is I want to somehow make amends for what's happened, but it is so freeing. It can be incredibly valuable and bring your relationship to a new level if you can leave things in the past. Definitely. And I think at that point, Kelly um, and listeners, I want to introduce a humor alert we haven't had a humour alert yet, and I think it's, um, it's, yeah, it feels right. So on what Kelly's just said there, listeners, I just, and, you know, I've used this one before, um, but I'll let you be the judge of whether it's humorous or not. And the the words of the immortal Brian Clough when, um, and this was in a football context with his players, but I think equally applies in relationship. And I can hear the choruses around the world saying, no, Paul, it doesn't. But when Cloughy said, we talked about it for two seconds and decided I was right. 
<laughs> Kelly, that's not working, is it? That's that's no. no. Back to the drawing board. I took. That's why it's called a humor alert. Anyway, exactly. <laughs> we move on. We move on. <laughs> okay. Well, that that brings up another point that I wanted to touch on, which is um, looking at your rules. You know, in every relationship we talked about has certain rules. Um, we've talked about the Ten Commandments of a relationship and how those are, are applied. And when we look at giving generously, there's certain, I guess, implicit or unspoken rules that we as individuals have. And one of the questions I have for your listeners is, what are your rules for giving and for giving generously? Do you have certain expectation that something needs to happen before you're willing to give? You know, and if we look at uh, Tony Robbins's he talks about three levels of relationship, right? So the first one is a very selfish relationship where it's all about me. The second level of relationship is this equal give and take where we're keeping score. When you give something, I'll give something back. And the third and ultimate level of relationship is this unconditional love where we both give freely without expecting anything back and therefore we create this abundance um, of love and generosity and giving in the relationship. And so asking this question of what are your rules um, is asking where are you in these three levels of relationship? Are you somebody that keeps score? Are you looking to only give when you receive? Or are you somebody who's moved to that level three who can fully give with full generosity without any expectation that it will be returned, but knowing that for you, it's the right thing to do is to give because it feels good for you. Um, and yeah, and we have we have um, touched on this one before, Kelly, and I don't know, I can't remember from which school of thought it comes, but on that highest one, um, this particular one goes a step further and introduces a fourth level of um, a sort of Gandhi type figure, you know, this ultimate, no matter what you do to me, I will love you unconditionally. You can beat me, you can chastise me, you can you can break me in two, but I will love you and I will forgive you. I mean, we're really kind of into the massively higher echelons of, of spirituality there, I believe. But um, yeah, um, do you think do you think Kelly as human beings though that we we can't a bit like driving a car? we change in and out of gears. So we might have, I don't know, a small period of time where we're traveling in first gear, then we move to second, and then we'll have a, you know, we're cruising along, life's great, the sun's shining, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but invariably we change gears or can we reach a constant and a consistency of, do you know what, we're traveling along in third or fourth gear. What's your thoughts around that one? I believe we have our sort of standard default. Um, and then we have what happens in the time of crisis. And so that's where we can switch in gear. So we may be living our lives as a level three relationship. Um, and then if crisis happens and we may temporarily then fall back to a lower level um, until we consciously are aware of what's going on and then we can reset ourselves to our normal. Um, with the level four, and I think from what I understand about what science has looked at, it's very, very difficult for human beings to maintain, you know, this level four spiritual level on a consistent basis mm -hmm. that we tend to 
default to a level three and in certain situations we're able to then raise that level um, temporarily but then we kind of will go back to a level three and in a crisis we may then go back to a level two yeah so we do shift gears yeah yeah i think so we're not perfect we're definitely not perfect and that's what that's what also creates the variety in relationships, right? Absolutely. And it's about embracing that, listeners, isn't it? And, you know, rather than, I think, you know, with particularly with modern day social media, there's this height of expectation. You know, you, you must be this. You should be that. You will be this. You will be that. And all this, all this expectation, this pressure to perform. And it's, you know, my take upon that is personally, just strip it all out because we are, we are what we are. And as Kelly says, you know, we are, I don't care how strong we think we are, but by definition, and I think this is, you know, we're going into Brenya Brown territory now, you know, of our vulnerability is our strength, but it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. And I think once we start to accept that, you know, our strength is our vulnerability is our strength, then, you know, all that pressure of I've got to do this, I've got to do that, it just strips it away and we can actually start to enjoy life in a more free-flowing, loving way rather than, you know, ticking boxes on a daily basis. Mm, yeah, I completely agree with you. And it just makes me think that in terms of generosity, there is sort of this generous giving in the acceptance of the imperfections of the person you're with, you know, not wanting them to be perfect and saying, I see the flaws or I see the behaviors that are not necessarily what I like, but in the wholeness of this person, I accept all of it. And that's generosity. And that's what everybody is looking for is just to be accepted for who you are with all your, you know, corners and uh, parts that need to be refined. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So here's a different sort of slightly left field question. It's flying off at a tangent. Kelly, it's not like me, is it, to do that? Um, (laughs) What about that old saying, you cannot give what you don't have? Here is where, so this is where we often hear people talk about self-love and you can't give if you don't love yourself. I have a slightly different approach to that one. Um, I do believe that, I think I mentioned this in one of the last couple podcasts, that we come into this world um, without self-love and it is through being loved and through experiencing that that we understand what love is and I think I've seen this over and over again in relationships where one partner in the relationship is is so strong and gives to such an extent that the other person realizes for the first time you know what love is I think I talked in the last one about a couple that I had where the woman was an alcoholic and she had met this unbelievably amazing man who gave to her that she finally was able to break away from her addiction and it was purely through that love that unconditional giving and then she was able to give to learn through that so um i think that's a bit of a a controversial discussion because a lot of people would disagree with me on that one Mm. It's, I think from my own point of view, and as you say, Kelly, uh, you know, we've discussed that two or three times before, but listeners, I thought that was worth bringing up again because it's such a, I know the power of conditioning when we hear cliches like, oh, you can't give what you don't have. 
So we can get carried away on that, on that tide of, oh, well, that's the way it is. You know, cliches are, have become cliches for a reason. They've stood the test of time. Doesn't make them right. Uh, doesn't make them wrong. Mm-hmm. It makes them what we what we choose to accept. But I'm, you know, personally, I err on the side of what Kelly's saying that, uh, in fact, not so much err, that embrace that actually if we lead by example and smash those barriers of, of conditioning, of disbelief and all that kind of stuff, you know, that that's that's we're showing people's way forward we're leading by example rather than well let's let's throw one or two nice fancy cliches around and because you know words do have power but words can you know here's a cliche words can be cheap as well yeah and i see this a lot in the clients i coach who are single and looking for relationships so many of them come with this underlying belief that oh, I can never have a relationship until I learn to love myself, until I fixed myself or whatever. And I always say, you know, life is a journey. There is no end. The end is death. When you've reached the end, then you've completed your journey. But you cannot think that in a year from now, I'm going to be, you know, this complete person who has everything figured out and then I'm ready for a relationship. We learn to be in a healthy relationship by being in the relationship. It's not about learning all the theory and concepts and then thinking one day, now I've got it. You know, I've got my diploma in relationship 101. Now I'll go and find one. It's about finding a partner to go on that journey together. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's that continuous improvement, isn't it? That. Uh... You know, to literally quote the Kaizen, uh, which was what it was based on uh, from the Second World War, from the Japanese, of whatever good uh, exceptional standards we held yesterday, oh, just about be okay for today, but nowhere near good enough for tomorrow. And I think that's a very good, very simple way of saying, you know, surely, listeners, as human beings, we have that responsibility to ourselves and, you know, to become one. And, you know, just to keep improving and growing and growing and be the best we can be. So mm-hmm. from that conditioned, cliched um, question, Kelly, of cannot give what we don't have, here's a different one. Can you give? Is it possible that you could give too much? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, immediately what comes to mind is uh, for anyone that has small children, we're always taught don't spoil your children, right? I mean, don't give them too much or too much love. And, um, I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, my opinion on that is no, we can't give too much as long as, and here's the caveat, as long as we're giving from a heart-centered place and we're not doing it out of, a manipulation of wanting to get something in return. And I think that's where the the gray area comes in because a lot of times, you know, people get into this people-pleasing type of um, character or they, you know, give because they think if I give this, that, and the other thing, I'm going to get what I need in return. And then it becomes manipulative. But if you're giving purely from a heart-centered place, I don't think you can overgive. Mm, Okay. So what do you think about that? What do I think about? I, I think you just give. Um, people say, well, you know, I mean, I, I suppose it is from an emotional base. I mean, for many years, Kelly, and to a lesser extent these days, you know, I've actually borrowed a lot of money to give away. I didn't have it. 
So you could say, well, actually, you did, you know, you cannot give what you don't have. I mean, such was my focus on charitable causes. And I had, you know, I was, I had from a very early age, from 13 and a half, this belief, fervent, deep-rooted belief around why I was here on this planet. And that was to give. And 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 I, I can see the, the term is quite patronizing now, but it was what I what I held strong for many years of I will fight for the underdog. You know, I had that belief as a child and that lasted decades because of what I experienced. And so I did borrow money and I did put myself out on a limb. All the things that I didn't have, I gave because however depleted I may have been or perceived myself to be, and, you know, bring in mind, I had a drink addiction. I was embroiled in violence. My my world was a mess. But I still understood that power of contribution because no matter what's going on mm. in my world, you know, I'm still breathing. I'm still alive. I'm still got a chance, you know, and I get challenged on this very masculine energy and, and, and wording of to fight for another day. I stand by it. I own it because it was that survival that kept me going. And to a certain degree, Kelly, I've still got all that, if I can use the word conditioning, I think it's beyond the conditioning because I've, I've, I've worked on it, I've accepted it. So to answer your question around, you know, can you give too much? The answer for me, and the world looks for kind of very polarized black and white answers, is a massive, massive categoric, no, you can never give too much. The only, the only caveat on that is if you are expecting something in return and then you're setting yourself up for a fall. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like we're agreed on that one. And uh, I think it's very valuable to have your personal experience and insight into that because um, it, it definitely shows, yeah, when you've lived through that and then you can look back and reflect on that. Um, that you'd still do the same thing. I think that's wonderful. Uh, more so, more so. But I think the difference is, I liken this, and yet again, listeners, this is quite a sort of masculine energy trait. I refer to boxing quite a lot um, because it's something I can relate to. Um, but this whole kind of, you know, if you're shadow boxing, you're punching thin air, which is okay. Um, but as you get more focused, and if somebody was actually threatening you, you'd need to be more directed with your, with your punches from a protection point of view. And I think that's the difference now. What I've learned through experience is I actually give far more now, but I give it in the right direction rather than just a scattergun approach, which if I'm honest about it, was for my benefit. That was part of my significance. That was a necessary part of my healing journey. Whereas now it's very focused and you know it's for the right reasons rather than oh yeah let me let let me give to make myself feel good um because mm-hmm. i feel so vulnerable and insecure so but that's the learning journey that we go on isn't it and having that honesty mm-hmm. to, with ourselves to say you know yes i did give for you know was it the wrong reasons i don't think it was because i don't think there's anything wrong listeners with with giving for your own benefit if you're in a place of extreme vulnerability as i certainly was um i did i didn't understand at the time what that i was doing that i do now now i know you know what i've learned but even so um i personally we go through stages don't we we know we used the metaphor earlier on kelly didn't we of changing gears in a car on our journey and i think this is this is mm. you know when we're learning to drive 
you know, we stumble, we're hesitant, we stall the car, uh, we've probably got it in third gear or even reverse when we should have it in first. But that's all fine. It's all part of that learning. And then we get better and better and better. And that, for me, is a great metaphor, um, I believe, for life. I, I love that one. It's it's so true. And, um, and just one on that one, um, listeners, on driving the car, which is a strong parallel for, you know, a journey of our life. Don't spend too much time looking in the rearview mirror. Because if you drive your car mm. looking in the rearview mirror all the time, you're going to crash. And there's, there's a great yeah. parallel there as well. So um, as is our way, Kelly, um, we always finish off with one humongous question. And we'll, <laughs> we'll park that for a few seconds while I invite you to share with our listeners um, your contact details and how they can reach out and get in touch with your, um, you know, your website and, and your excellent work. And I will say excellent work because, you know, there again, listeners, I've made no secret to the fact that how much I've personally gained from these, um, not just these 10, um, 10 lessons from, um, you know, the, the disciplines of love, but generally with Kelly. I mean, you know, there's a cliche in the UK, the girl really does know her onions. <laughs> Thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate that very much. And uh, for those who want to know more about what I do and the work, you can visit me at kellybrandley.com. If you go to kellybrandley.com forward slash mastering the game of life, you can download a free copy of the 10 disciplines of love. Superb. So the big question, Kelly, is what's the greatest gift we can give? What's the greatest gift? Well, because it's the last episode, I've sort of prepared a double bonus today. Um, so to wrap up the, the discipline number 10 about giving generously, um, I think we, we've discussed this really at depth. It's about this going above and beyond for your partner. Um, we use the four physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual um, to look at the different levels. And so I encourage everybody to look at ways in your relationship that you can go above and beyond to simply give from your heart and uh, make your partner smile, be appreciated, share compliments, all those things. So that's to wrap that up. And then to wrap up this mini series, I found a quote um, yesterday when I was reading actually a business book. It has nothing to do with love and relationships. Um, it's by a guy named Blair Warren. Um, but I just sort of thought this quote kind of encompasses what we've talked about over these 10 um, podcasts and the 10 disciplines. And he says, um, the duration of our relationships is nothing compared to the depth of our relationships. And depth is based on the fulfillment of our deepest needs, in brackets, the six human needs, and it's not the duration of the dialogue. Mm. What's striking me there is it's the quality, not the quantity. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. So invest in your relationships. Take the time. Be generous. Give freedom. Seek for positive intent in your partner. Show your vulnerability. Have daily intimacy play with that dance of feminine and masculine energy, respect your relationship, stay in your couple bubble. Um, all those things that we've talked about are so important. And I feel that's just encompassed in this go deep. 
Mm. It's not about the duration, it's about the depth. Beautiful, profoundly beautiful. All that remains now, listeners, um, you know, yet again, you've heard me say this so many times, one of my personal favorites. I'm absolutely love music, ballad music. Uh, when you listen to the, you know, the rhythm, the the harmonies, the lyrics of some deep, meaningful words. Um, and one of my all-time favorites, if not my all-time favorite, is from Dame Shirley Bassey and her, her all-powerful song where she sings, This Is My Life. And... I want to just change the lyrics. I mean, who am I to change the lyrics of such an eminent world performer? But I want to, and this is based on, I suppose, the the gratitude to Kelly's work, um, because I know from a personal perspective how critical this work is. And so my, I suppose, gift um, or suggestion is, if I had a magic wand, one of the things I'd change is the lyrics to, to Dame Shirley's, uh, and check it out on YouTube, This Is My Life, where she says, you know, I don't give a damn for lost, lost emotions. I've such a lot of love I want to give. Let me live, let me live. And I'd just like to wave a magic wand, listeners, and leave you with this thought and say, this is not my life, this is our life. And on that note... Just leave you to think about that and sign off by saying, remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts. Thanks very much for listening to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. If you found it interesting and helpful, drop a line to Paul via paul at paul-low.com with any thoughts or questions you may have. He'd love to hear from you and he'd be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at www.paul-low.com. Remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts. 